What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Team Chat Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Jarrett Wilson, joined across the power of the internet by Rachel Mogan. Buongiorno. Buongiorno to you as well. How are you this fine day? I'm doing very well. You know, someone in one of my longstanding, my longstanding Splatoon Discord, uh-huh. even though none of us play Splatoon anymore, uh, one of them greeted me. I got Bonjournoed. Oh, really? When I joined uh, the voice chat, and it was like 11 p.m. and we were all playing Animal Crossing because it's the spooky event. And oh, that's right. We, we've been like practicing Spanish in that same Discord at the same time, and they know it's Italian. But one of them was like, it, it just means hello, right? And I was like, yes, but it technically does mean good morning specifically. And they were like, wait, you say it at night all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I do, I do as I rules. say, not as I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I make my own rules. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't impose your, your proper usage of this language on me. I'll do what so I want. So your slight amount of learning for today, the correct Italian for a good evening is buona notte, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, I'm mm-hmm, sure I'm mm-hmm, saying mm-hmm. it wrong, but that's the best I can do. Well, isn't that you know like, what? or derivative of that in the Lady in the Tramp song? <gasps> is it? It's been a long time and they since call I've it seen Bella, Lady in the Bella Tramp. Notte? Isn't that it? The, this oh, is the night song? Yeah. 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 Uh, that's, that's almost certainly correct. It's just been so long since I've seen that movie. So there we go. Probably Man. 20 years. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time since I've seen that one too. So now, look at this. We're, we're a double hitter today. You're going to get Italian lessons. You now know when the correct use to use buongiorno. And... You're going to get to hear some sweet video game talk because bonjour to you all. It's the morning here, Tuesday morning, when you're listening to this new episode of Team Chat Podcast, a video game show where we talk about games, the ones we love, the ones we hate, and everything in between. New episodes come out Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Central Time, and you can listen to those on podcast services around the World Wide Web, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and others you can also watch each episode over on our youtube channel youtube.com slash team chat podcast join us on facebook instagram twitter and you can join our discord server links for all that are in the description below and finally if you're really loving and enjoying the show and be like hey i really want to help them make this show bigger and better well you can do that by going to patreon.com slash team chat podcast whereas for as little as a dollar a month you can support the show and in return we'll give you cool perks like in the episodes early before their general tuesday release and access to a private channel on our discord server the rogues gallery Ooh, lots of fun stuff because we're over there so all the time talking about uh gaming topics non-gaming topics all the time the discord's a really fun place to hang out so check that out if you will but if you don't want to give us some money every month that's totally fine you can help us big build and grow the show in other ways as well, such as telling your friends, writing reviews, sharing us and all across your social media and all that helps us make the show bigger and better by just spreading the good word of Team Chat Podcast. So to all of our listeners and patrons alike, thank you. We love you all. Heart emojis. Heart emoji. Heart emojis. But we do have some two great reviews coming at you today. But before we get to those, let's do our little bit of news and what's coming out soon in our moment with Logan. Yes. Uh, so since last week was a streaming week, we're going to do a tiny little bit of catch-up. So as catch up. of just a little. So as of October 1st, all of the following are now out. Uh, little Big Workshop for the Switch. Super Mario Brothers 35 for the Switch. Uh, Warsaw for the Switch. East Origin, which I think might be a port, or there are just so many East games that I can't keep track of them. Uh, East Origin for the Switch, and then on October 2nd, this one surprised me because I thought it was not coming out this early. Uh, mm-hmm. Crash Bandicoot 4. It's oh, about yeah. time. It's right? Out. Like, it's already out. I forgot. Yeah, I, was I, all, I was all jazzed about, about Squadrons, 
And so then I realized, like, I started seeing the stuff for the same day. It was like, oh, yeah, hey, Crash Bandicoot's coming out. And I was like, oh, Yeah, so okay. the brand new, like, all-new experience Crash Bandicoot game is out now for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. And just as Jarrett said, Star Wars Squadrons also came out on the second for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC. Warsaw also got an Xbox One uh, release on October 2nd. And then coming to... I'm trying to do some math in my head. Yesterday, <laughs> still not out today, uh, Four Gone came out for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Switch on October 5th. <laughs> so, what What's this? this? I'm so excited so to hear what did, this one's going to be. So did Nickelodeon Kart Racers 2 Grand Prix. All right. What Man. the hell is that? <laughs> Anyways... Nickelodeon Kart Racers 2, for all of you that really wanted to be your favorite Rocket Power characters, I guess, <laughs> I, I can't imagine who's in that game, uh, is out for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and the Switch as of October 5th as well. And then catching us up to today, October 6th, we have Baldur's Gate 3 for Stadia oh. and PC, right? Baldur's nice. Gate. Uh, I haven't heard anything about Baldur's Gate in a long, long time. Yeah. Um, and then coming soon on October 8th, we have I Am Dead for the Switch and PC. Ickenfell, Ickenfell, who knows, uh, for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, Ride 4 for PS1, Xbox One, and Switch, uh, The Uncertain, colon, Light at the End for PC, and then on the 9th, we have, God, where? why are these weird Disney and Nickelodeon shows all over video games right now? On October 9th, we have Ben 10 Power Trip uh, for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Okay. Okay. Uh, also on the 9th, FIFA 21. Don't buy it. It's a scam. I'm not even going to tell you what it's for because it's a scam. <laughs> and then also on the 9th. Also, it's always for everything. They yeah. put these things out on everything. Uh, also on the 9th, we have the Survivalists for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. And then just a little bit further out on the horizon on the 13th, G.I. Joe Operation Blackout for PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC, along with Red Wings, Aces of the Sky for Xbox One only, and Second Extinction for PC all on October 13th. There we go. Boom. Man, lots of stuff. And lo yeah, yeah, actually, lots of weird uh, Nintendo. Yeah, like you said, Disney and Nickelodeon stuff. That's kind of odd to see like some games like those being paired around the same time. And I will mention it next moment with Mogan as well. But just to give everybody a heads up, um, the game that we will eventually be doing a full review for, we've already done first impressions for, uh, Raji, mm. an ancient mm -hmm. epic, is currently only available for Switch. But on October 15th, it will also be making its way to PS4, Xbox One, and PC. Nice. Good news. Ooh, that's... You should, when, what day is that? That's October 15th. I wonder if we should try to do our final I think we probably, should. we probably I know, should. I actually, I actually didn't realize that that was when it was coming out, so that's that could be some... Yeah, we might need to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's not a super long game. I actually just yeah. finished it uh, this last week, so I'm ready to get my, my full reviews on that stuff, yeah. so we'll just gotta have oh. to get you that game to you. And then uh, just for people to know, the two PS Plus games that are free this month, uh, one of them is a, a racer game that I definitely didn't care about. Uh, it, but the other one is Vamp. I, I think it was Need for Speed. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, but the other one is Vampire, uh, a game that I at least remember being really excited about when I heard mm -hmm. about it. And then it came out and I just never picked it up. I had all the best intentions, but it got some mixed reviews. So I remember that seeing kind that. Of made yeah. me, that kind of made me back off from it. But now it's free. So I'm definitely going to get it and play it because I am still really curious about it. Uh, it basically has you in the footsteps of a vampire in London. I think 
joke in Victorian times. Mm -hmm. And you're a doctor, but you're also a vampire. So, like, the ethics, the morals, how do you, you balance it. Do you satisfy your hunger for blood? But also, do you need that blood to perform transfusions to save your patients? Exactly. Yeah. So it's, I think it sounds these, like a the moral really cool premise. that you're going to be balancing throughout the whole thing. Yeah. It, it's a neat premise and it's a perfect October game. It's obviously oh, yeah. like a dark, spooky atmosphere. It's got all kind. I think it's not exactly action packed, but it does have some action elements to it. So yeah, it's free. Pick it up. Why well, not give it a try, right? And it's a dote nod. That's right. It is so, don't nod. Developers of yes. Life is Strange and all that. So fun to play something from theirs that's not life is strange you know see yeah. what else see what else they can do you know what exactly. i mean so yeah i've been i'll i'm excited about that too and i'll be picking that up because i want to try that one out as well uh, but one quick little news story that we did want to touch on we don't have a ton of thoughts because again this goes into a lot of areas that we're not very well versed in but we did want to at least acknowledge the fact that even after making uh promises or and yeah, promise is a good way of saying it, that they were going to not enforce crunch and everything in their studios anymore. Uh, the CD Project Red, they did have to institute mandatory crunch time from the beginning of October until the release date of Cyberpunk 2077. I don't know why I wanted this. I was getting confused on that number. But anyway, <laughs> so looking at about a month and a half of, of six-day work weeks is what they're requiring uh, to be able to get this down. Now, they are taking steps to pay the employees extra for that time. It's not just rolled into theirs. And CD Projekt Red does have a profit-sharing program in, in place where they give their employees 10% of their profits. So there are they do they are rewarding for the crunch time, but still, we're seeing a return it, to crunch time, which sucks. Yeah, it's just, it's just an endemic thing that, you know, we just wanted to point it out because it, it's not going away, and the more we ignore it, the less likely it is to ever improve. So exactly. I think that, you know, just in general, the, the culture of gaming should keep the pressure up against crunch to try and not make it as normal as mm -hmm. it is. Uh, that's that's my personal stance on that. Well, yeah, and I think that's a very good way to go. Because you see, like, in all on Twitter and things like that, where people were talking, out, talking about it and everything. Because it was J Jason Schreier over at Bloomberg who wrote the story. And so... You know, people in his mentions, people in the mentions of people, other people talking about it, you know, they're all like, well, I have to work overtime for all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, yeah, that's true. You do. But it, do you like, do you enjoy it? <laughs> you know, it's like, is that, yeah. you know, does that, you know, and also are you rewarded for that in the correct way? But And also, like, we shouldn't be necessarily celebrating being taken advantage, you know, having to be thrown exactly. into these positions where you're taking advantage of for this end goal, no matter the, the bonuses like that you get at the end. I agree. The idea that like, oh, well, I have to do mandatory overtime. So why are you complaining? What if none of us had to do mandatory overtime? We can all exactly. succeed. What if our work-life balance was in such where yeah. it was a balance? You're exactly. able to do your job and get fulfilled and be paid through that while hitting your deadlines. But then you weren't stressed out, wanting to pull your hair out. And also, let's remember, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, people. So any of the stresses of crunch and things like that that are normally brought on to you are probably compounded by the fact that you're still having to deal with all the other worldly exactly. things going on. So, so, you know, let's just, I just think it, it, it just doesn't have to be the norm. No, it doesn't have to be. And the more that we work against it, the better off everyone will be. Yes. I agreed. So, so cyber CD project red, get your shit together. If you say Come you're on. not going to do, if you're not going to do crunch, just push the game again. 
We've already pushed yeah, it twice. We're already you can just pull a breath of the wild. Just you know? push it like five years. People will be okay <laughs> with that. <laughs> I mean, I know it's like you want to get it with those new with the new consoles around that same time, but also like it was supposed to come out in April, then it was supposed to come out in September. Now it's November. Just just push it another month or two. Like, give we're your employees not a care. break. Yeah. None of us were able to get a PS5 anyways, so we literally don't care. <laughs> exactly. So do do your thing. Make us the game that needs to be that you feel like it needs to be. Just don't mistreat your employees while doing it. Don't do that. Exactly. Yeah. Don't do that. But that's neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. Where we're going. We're going to space because we have reviews. (laughs) (laughs) I have been busting my butt playing through uh, Star Wars Squadrons over the last weekend since it came out on October 2nd. And I have a full review ready to go for you all because I've played through the story. I've played through the multiplayer and not to completion on the multiplayer. There's that is unlimited. There is a lot more to be done there. And I have a lot more practice to do in the fleet battles and dogfights and whatnot. But I've played them enough to be able to be like, here are my thoughts on Star Wars Squadrons. And Mogan, let me just go ahead and tell you. It is the piece of Star Wars that I did not know I needed. And now that it's here, I love it so damn much. I, I, I was able to hop into your stream a little bit the other day, kind of at the tail end. But uh, it did look like you were having a lot of fun. And I will say, uh, from what I saw, I was genuinely pretty shocked at how good the game looks. Like, just in terms of visuals alone. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I was expecting, because honestly, I had done zero research about a game I knew I wouldn't, <laughs> about a game I knew I wouldn't buy and play. But right. it looks dang heckin good oh yeah is how it looks graphics are great on it like it's really it's really really well done everything about it looks great i will say ran into a couple little snafus when i was first getting into it such as i had you know i bought it digitally so i was so i had it all pre-ordered i was ready to go thursday night at 11 p.m when the game unlocked and oh, my yeah. install had corrupted on the preload, i saw that on twitter which, not the no. game's fault necessarily just an annoyance getting going. Just annoyance. So then I had to delete it and reinstall it. I stayed up though. I wasn't going to let that beat me. So I finally kept, I just played like an hour or so later. No, not a big deal. And then I go into it, load it up. And the first cutscene starts in the story. And then the second cutscene starts in the story. And there was like a weird like gradient over the whole thing. You could still hear the thing going up, going on behind you, behind it. But you couldn't see any of it. And you like, and everything. And I was like, uh-oh. So I just quit the game, restarted, and then it was fine and I haven't run into a problem since then. And that's been literally the only issue I've ran into, like bug, kind of like buggy things since the game started. I just maybe just needed a, a quick little refresh of the game, I guess. I don't know. You know, the but classic, have you tried turning it off and turning it back on? It fixes a lot of things. It, it fixes so many things. <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah, I, I played through the story and I got to say, it's a shorter story. Not, you know, but it's very concise and it's still even really well told. I will say it starts off with a common. I'm not going to go super spoilery into it because I don't think it's one that necessarily needs like a huge beat by beat breakdown of what the story is. But still suffice it to say it starts with a common trope of Star Wars. If you don't want to hear what that is, take off your headphones, everybody. Skip ahead like 10 seconds. Midichlorians. No, actually. Well, Dang not it. Yet. They haven't, <laughs> they haven't said it one. yet. I know one thing about Star Wars. That's a good thing about Star Wars to know. I'm, I'm impressed. I like that. But no, the, the trope that it starts with is that there is an Imperial person who, oh. who goes to the Republic side, you, uh, defects and everything. And that starts at the, and that's at the very beginning. And that happened in the very beginning of the story mode for Battlefield, Battlefront 2. Iden Versio, the main character there, is this like high up in Imperial forces. And then after like the first mission, she's like, ooh, I guess I'm going to the Rebels. And I was like, 
already. That was that a took quick no turn. time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That took zero time. <laughs> and so something like that happens at the beginning of this game, which I was kind of like, oh, okay. But I will say though, they have done it so well with the story that comes back and creates tension and conflict in a really good way that I feel like hasn't been like the story is very is very well done, even though it is shorter. But I feel like they took this common trope and were able to work it in very seamlessly to have it be brought back up and cause some conflict and build between the two opposing sizes other sides. Sorry, opposing sides other than I'm imperial. You're rebel. I'm Republic and we have to fight each other. So it, yeah. the, the story, the, the conflict gets personal, I'll say. So it's uh, it's still really good. I really enjoyed the story of it. And two, it's just you get the story. There are some incredible parts later on in it where like big ships would be like there's this one later mission. You're trying to do an escort mission and all these big battleships and everything just keep jumping out of hyperspace right in front of you trying to block you off. And so you're and then unleashing more fighters on you and everything. It's just. Uh, it's just a fun time. It's a it's great just fun chaotic, Star Wars. spacey fun. Yeah. And that's the thing about this game. It takes place all in space. All combat is space. It is a flight simulator game. You are flying as either the Republic, the New Republic, or the Imperial uh, Galactic Empire. Sorry. And so in those, you have four ships on each side. You have the TIE Fighter for the for the Imperials. You have the TIE Fighter, TIE Interceptor, TIE Bomber. And then a support class ship, which I am blinking on right now. And then on the New Republic, you have the X-Wing, Y-Wing for the bomber, A-Wing for the interceptor class, and then a U-Wing for its supply ship. And so depending on the early story, you can only, you are told which ship to fly. Later story missions, you get to pick which one you want to fly as, and you can customize your loadout a little bit. But that's where I think you really have to kind of understand the game and know how and have a good sense of the game before you really start fiddling with your loadouts much. I did that on the story mission. I messed around with my loadout a little bit, had to stop and restart because what I picked was Ooh, not going to work. Ooh, it up. That's yeah. interesting. It was not going to work at all for the, for the mission that I was trying to play. So I had to restart the mission. Uh, but like I wasn't upset about that. I was just like, oh, okay. I was just woefully unprepared for what I thought was gonna need I was gonna need to have to be able to complete this mission. So there's yeah. a lot of learning to it. That's the big thing though that I think that really gives this game its its clout is that it's so different for me, especially. I don't play a lot of flight simulator games. I haven't played a Star Wars flight simulator game like this since like the original X-Wing TIE Fighter Rogue Squadron games. So it's been a very long time since I've played any time in that. And those just present differences than what like a first person shooter or things like that even in battlefront 2 you can do dogfights and space battles but you can also change your view where you can be third person outside the ship which is how i normally like to to do it this one you have to be in cockpit and you have to be restricted so therefore your field of view is restricted by the confines of the cockpit which i think With I liked that. I thought, like, watching you play the game, I thought that that was a nice way to, you know, make it feel more real, mm -hmm. for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, like, you have to get used to not being able to see the full screen. Like, you have the, the like, bars, the support bars of the of your windscreen on your, your ship blocking your view sometimes. You can't see, like, what's below you, so you have to figure out, especially when you're trying to fly really tight patterns and get in and out around obstacles and, and everything, you have to really have an awareness for how big your ship is, which the only way you can do that is by flying around and crashing into things a bajillion times, which is what I've done. And so <laughs> it just has a lot to get used to. Not only that you have the, because this is a full flight simulator game, you do have to learn your controls and your readouts on the HUD 
on your HUD, which is like you have to balance in the Imperial ships, you have to balance your the speed of your ship with your weapons. And you do that by toggling between the D-pad buttons. Like uh, left D-pad is the engine, up D-pad is your weapons. On the New Republic ships, those have built-in shields on their fighters. So you have to balance between power, weapons, and shield power. Then if you have shield power, you can then choose if you want to put more power of the shields to the front, to the back, or have it balanced. In Imperial ships, you can then choose if you want to give more power to either the weapons or the engine to help make your ship do go faster and things like that. But then your targeting is all on board for how you're trying to look. There's not a there is a mini map in the sense that you have a radar, but it's not very directional in different ways. So you have to really be cycling through your targets, picking out where, seeing their distances, and so there's a lot to just keep a track and to and to have going on and to be aware of as you're trying to fly around. I will say, because I'm not used to that really, I am. I have found myself sometimes getting lost, going in the completely wrong direction. That's where I'm supposed to be going. And then somebody else will be like, hey, you need to come back this way. And I'm like, oh, snap. Or you get you hit the edge and it says, turn around, you've gone too far. And I'm like, oh, crap, I got to do that. So that is, but I recognize that that's just a me problem. I'm not saying it's a default of the game. The game provides you with plenty of ways to be able to find where you need to go because you can either select... By hitting L2, you can hit just a quick tap of that. We'll select, we'll target whatever's right in front of you, or you can hit X and you can cycle through all the different targets that are available. And so if you remember to do that, I just sometimes get heading and run away and then forget that, oh yeah, I have to select my next target. You can in the options choose to put to have that be auto-detected, but for the most part, I preferred it manual is how I like to have it. But it's just a lot to keep track of. And then also too, you're not like the left stick is not controlling your camera it is in the sense that it's it's controlling the role of your of your ship so like if you're going to do a corkscrew or something like that but then sometimes you can be flying and you're upside down then you're trying to reroute get right side back up but then you're like where am i and have to find it so there's a lot of just trying to learn the spatial awareness really of where you are what direction you're going and what's around you is a big part of this as well as learning how to balance all the systems of your ship to be able to get the best performance for what you're trying to do. Like if you're trying to take out a really fast fighter, you're going to want to apply a lot of power to your to your ship's engine so you can catch keep up with that ship. Maybe then you're attacking a capital ship, like a big, huge ship, like a Star Destroyer or something like that. You want to turn your power to your weapons so that you, your, your hits have more impact in different things. And so there's just a lot of different stuff to keep in mind. Not all, And then also, while trying to pilot and shoot down these other very, very fast moving craft. There's just a lot going on. And so with all of that and trying to learn all of it, it presents a big challenge. The learning curve of the game, I will say, is very steep, but it's very rewarding because once it does start clicking, which I don't remember if you were watching my stream when I feel like it did start clicking for me and I got like a six kill streak in a dogfight online. And I was like, when I was playing multiplayer and I was just like, oh man, I'm feeling really good this mission. And it was just, I was flying really smooth, really tight, being able to, able to make tight turns, shooting down ships like nobody's business. I was feeling good. So when that happens, it's rewarding as hell. I don't think I was there for when you had that many kills. Like when I was there, you ended a match with uh, four kills, four deaths, even Steven. Even That's Stevens. what I'm always aiming for. Yep. Uh, and then after that, you had a really good match where you didn't die the entire time. Mm -hmm. So maybe I had to peace out after that. But yeah, there was definitely some progress being made in real time. Oh, yeah. And it's great. And that's the thing about it, too. I, I, I feel good, though, because 
a lot of the people that I see online talking about this game too are like, I may be terrible, but I'm having a good time, which makes me feel yeah. good that I'm in just good company. Everybody's having a rough time learning it. But so, I think that's what applies itself so well to this game. You can't just give me a space sim and then just be like, cool, I figured out how to fly this in the first mission and I'm a pro. Like, you got to give difficulty and there's difficulty in space. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. So this is a team-based game, right? So mm -hmm. when you're playing with other people, these are just real other people online, yes? Yes, when you're playing so, multiplayer. In the, in the campaign, I'm, you know what? I'm blanking right now if you can't do this, the story co-op, but I think you can. Okay. Um, so but my yeah. question is then, uh, so can you just get on voice like to everybody? Can you just like mm -hmm. talk to your team all the time? Uh, do they have the option to not listen to you, et cetera? Yes. Like, what are the mute and volume options? Yeah, they do. You do have the option to, in multiplayer, to either play with your mic. Like, if you don't have a mic, you don't have to have it or something like that. And then you can, it does have a ping system. So you can, like, target and then, you know, be like, hey, team, let's attack this. And then the team can choose to acknowledge that ping or not. Uh, but, yeah, you have the full option to, to just be on mic and talk with the random people you're teamed with. You can make a squad of all your friends and play that way. And then if you, but if you don't want to hear your team and you just want to be like, I'm just going to fly around and do my thing, then you can, yes, mute those as well. So you don't have to listen to all the chatter or gotcha. music that other people like to play over their headsets. Do they really? Have you not heard, not in this game Is specifically, that a thing? but ha oh, yes. In so many games I play online, somebody will be like, have their mic on and they have music just blaring and it's all you can hear. Oh my God, I've never once encountered really? that problem. The really? most I've ever heard is like somebody's mom literally yelling at them. Yeah. Uh, or like crying babies and barking dogs. Those are like the top three but things you have I've yet ever heard to get in the background. The blaring loud music while trying music. to play. Wow. No, you're not lucky. even Not even in my <laughs> Overwatch days. And I was like on voice a lot. That Dang. is so fascinating. That's funny to me that you've never got that, but that's pretty funny. Maybe that's maybe that's a PC problem. <laughs> well, but no, I've got really it. I play. Uh, I hear the place I've heard it the most lately is on Apex. When I play Apex on my really? on my Xbox, so yeah, I don't know huh. what's going on there. But that's so funny to me that you've never come across it. It's that's the most fascinating. Thing. It's the most dude. You got thing. you have got to get on there and play like classical opera. I'm oh. begging you. Well, so that's the fun thing though. Like when it first started, and I was playing this game when I was playing it again. Because like I said, I used to play the X-Wing and TIE Fighter games from the from the mid-90s. And when I would play those over at my buddy's house, we used to turn on that old song uh, from the 70s that I'm blanking on what the song is actually called now. But it's that Dancing na, na, Queen. Na, na, oh, na, na, na. hey, 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 goodbye. Good and like try to time it when they say goodbye to blowing up a ship. That's what my friends that's do. And that's funny. a perfect soundtrack for a game like this. And so we uh, I, I used to do that all the time. And so, yeah, no, having the right music to it is great. But hey, speaking of the music. It's, you know, some great Star Wars fare what you're getting here. But what I've noticed, though, is that a lot of like, especially when you're in the hangars and you're customizing your ships, getting your pre-mission briefing, things like that. The music, while modern, still sounds and like has a feel towards the more chiptune 8-bit music of the originals, which I feel like gives it a very fun sound, a very familiar sound in two ways, because you are getting that nostalgic kick and it's also Star Wars music, but uh, it's that's been great to just have. The sound design of this game is, is great too. Like you're playing, I've been playing it primarily on headphones and just being able to hear the ships just roaring past you and being able to, and all the explosions, just the sound of like flying through space as you're, which shouldn't I know have sound, but it does, as you're flying through space and like boosting going up through it. It's just, 
It just really immerses you in the whole experience and it does it so, so, so incredibly well. What I like about the the story mode, kind of jumping back to that a little bit, is that you do meet and interact with the other members of your crew, of your squad. Um, and so for both the New Republic and Imperial side of things. And I think they have some really great characters. I also like that they really, they had some, they brought in some, uh, like on the New Republic side, one of your squad mates is a Trandoshan who's like a big lizard-esque alien race. Uh, lizard-esque alien race. You would like it though. <laughs> one of the the main person of your squad, Gunny, gives you that is a, is an alien, another alien race, uh, Mimban, I believe. But so you can't really tell her age or anything like that. You know she's older because she talks about <gasps> But like, she's probably old. She's <laughs> old, your old lady grandma representation. Yes. I'll take it. <laughs> because she, this is post the Battle of Indoors, and she talks about having flaw, uh, flown and fought in the in the Clone Wars. So, you know, she's been around and flying for a while. So you know she's a little bit older. And so I was just like, oh, Mogan's gonna be so happy. There's that old lady representation that she loves That's- to see. Very excellent. 10 out of 10. <laughs> and then uh, on the other side, on the Imperial side, uh, one of my characters that I like over there, Shen, he's really cool because he's kind of like, he's cool in a very like, ooh, mysterious way because you talk ooh. to him in the hangar and he's still in his full like flight gear and his helmet is like all messed up. It's got like huge scrapes and it's kind of destroyed a little bit. But the first thing he says to you is he's like, helmet stays on all the time. He's basically like a Darth Vader-esque cyborg guy. And so like he's been shot down and crashed so many times he's like part he's part man part machine kind of thing so he's like this i have to have this get up on all the time to to like live and you're like man, that's cool but my first thought was i was just like oh man i hope they make a black series figure of him because i want it so bad because his, his yeah. design is really cool um but no but so you get this more even though the story is very succinct and it's told through some cutscenes and obviously chatter while you're doing the missions in between each mission, you have the opportunity to talk in the hangar and stuff to various squad mates. And those are very simple things. It's you literally like move your camera because you don't move or walk around in the hangar, which is, again, reminiscent of these older games, too. You didn't move around the hangar. You just like basically pivoted from one ship to the next or whatever. But in this hangar, you can do a full 360 and you can see your ships that are around you. You can see your other crewmates and things like that. And so in this area and after briefings, you'll talk to them, but you just see them there, you select on them, and then it goes into a, a scene where you're talking, you know, they're standing right in front of you, looking directly into the camera, basically talking to you kind of thing. And they just have, you don't respond back, but they just have a moment there and they just talk and tell about their backstories, their history, and kind of what they're, goals are so it does a really good job of like building and giving these characters backstory and background which i think is great because they they are all new characters that you're interacting with so especially in a thing with star wars where having that lore in the background for a lot of big characters is such an important thing they really did a really good job i think of building up that and establishing who these characters are and i think that's really great um Let's see, where else was I going to go with this? So is there anything about the game, aside from the few like glitchy things that you've encountered, uh, that you really think could be improved or that you don't particularly like, like either with the gameplay or with the story? Hmm. No, and even the glitchy thing, like the glitchy thing are the only two things that I talked about at the beginning. And the, really the only one was an actual problem with the game itself. Um I think maybe 
it could be it would be cool if there was a setting i think like especially as you are getting new into the game and really learning it more where it did give you maybe a few more nudges or prompts about what to do next like if you haven't targeted something else in a certain amount of time or if it can t you know maybe don't wait until i've flown to the far other side of the map and hit the out of bounds before you say hey you're going the wrong way because it is i like i've done that a little a hard times. your bearings yeah gotcha. a little hard it's so, like maybe if there was a little bit more like you could have a setting that was like increased guidance basically until you I get see. familiar with it and then you can turn it back down to normal. I will say though, the cool thing about this game and I've, I've been seeing a push for this a lot more in games and it's great to see that this is some of this being coming to fruition of more accessibility options front and center. And this game does it front and center. Like as soon as the game starts up, if it's your first time loading the game, you have to go through like an accessibility checklist where it starts off with it narrating options and selections to you so that nice. way you know you can easily go through and set these things up before you even start the game not the game starts and then you if you need those options having to go through and be like where are they how do i find them and then having to adjust them from there it's all the first thing you see which i thought that's that was really an nice. incredibly great a really great step yeah um, that's a good touch outside of the story and everything like that just some other notes that i really have on it that i like like i said i'm still trying to get used to all the flight controls managing the power uh, the power management under getting the rolling part and like the roll, the pitch yaw of, of your ship and all that stuff is still really hard for me to understand and to, to grasp. I'm getting better. Like I, I've, I've already can see that I'm getting better on stuff, but that's the thing though. I think overall there's a lot of progress that I still have to make to be really good, but how squadrons is and how there is this barrier to entry and this very strict learning curve to it. I feel a big challenge to it because it's something that I'm not very used to. So I, that in and of itself, the challenge of the game is what's wanting to pull me back in. And there's just mass replayability to it. You can play the, the multiplayer and the big fleet battles, the like objective based, uh, like 30 plus minute game mode. You can play those in the multiplayer all day long. The story you can have that it has multiple difficulty levels that you can play that at, which then reward you with trophies. But each mission also has medals that you unlock by by doing certain things within the mission achieving certain objectives so like me if you play through the game and you didn't get those all on the first try you then can go back and have those levels to go back through and try to get the full 100 percent completion so there's just a lot of different ways that you can play this game and come back to the game either solo or with friends that i think make it really that are really well that are that it does really really well the other thing about it, too, just in the story, it's had some great throwbacks and call-ins to other shows, movies, and et cetera, bringing in either like original trilogy characters, characters from newer shows like Rebels, It's just, or even just offhand mentions. Like one character mentioned the uh, protagonist of the Battlefront 2 campaign, Aiden Versio, just oh. kind of like an, an Imperial character was like listing off these recent like traders and stuff and like oh, that Aiden Versio and like, hey, I know her. That's so, fun. Lots of different stuff like that. Um, I have, I will say too, I've taken so many just screenshots and just video clips of the little cutscenes of like the ships taking off, leaving the hangar of different characters and stuff like that. It's just, it's, it's just, uh, like I said, it's the piece of Star Wars game that I didn't know I was missing. And now that yeah. it's here, I'm like, oh man, I feel complete having a game like this in my arsenal again to go back to. But it's just been a super, super, super fun time. I'm having a blast with it. And uh, I'm going to I can already tell I'm going to be spending some time in it, putting in a lot of hours. The nice thing. Oh, yeah. Two more quick things. They have this one other move that 
you can now pull off in this that you couldn't do in any of the old games drifting you can do like a massive boost and i can tell this is something that would be a lot easier to do on a joystick if i had one but for this one because you have to like on the on the ps4 you have to turn your right stick to either the left or the right and you have to like really push it over there really fast and hard and then click the left stick and that will cause you as you're boosting to like do a, a fast like drift 360 or 180 spin in there so you can like really be you know like you're running away from your opponents and then you flip around real fast and then you can take the fight right back to them so that's really fun and still trying to get the angle the hang the hang of that i'm having a really hard time talking to them too excited <laughs> but um but yeah so that's really fun the great other thing so far i will add that so far no microtransactions everything you need for your customization oh, options are you unlock you either get requisitions or glory and you get those by playing multiplayer matches and that's what you use to and either, that's it and that's it and that's what you use to either unlock parts for your ship or to unlock customization options for your pilot so actually, I have another question then. Mm-hmm. So in the multiplayer mode, you know, a lot of other games have this. Is there like a difference between like casual play versus competitive play? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. uh, there are just normal dogfights. Those are just uh, for like the casual play. The fleet battles do have a ranked and unranked system. So that way gotcha. uh, you can play through those and that will give you tier progression and different rewards there as well. What's your rank, bro? Oh, I haven't jumped into rake yet. I know I'm, I'm, I need a lot more practice before I'm going to be like, all right, I'm ready to jump into ranked. And rank (laughs) two is like, I want to find us a group. I feel like for ranked play, especially like you don't want to necessarily always do that with 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 randos. (laughs) Exactly. So I really want to get a group together to take on some of those fleet battles. But what I've played in those, they're super fun to do because it is, those are all based on, you have these objectives that you have to complete, but there's like a, a, uh, a meter up at the top and wherever your team's level on that meter is determines if you can be on the offensive or the defensive. So basically like if you're shoot, if you acquire a higher score by shooting down a lot of the other Imperial ship, the other side's ships or like taking down some of their smaller cruisers that le- then allows you to do the final push, like toward their big capital ship. Cause that's what you're trying to destroy. So gotcha. it's, it's basically like this, it's like a tug of war basically. Of like, ooh, you could be doing really good and being able to push the offensive. And then they suddenly like, you know, regroup really strong and push you back. And now you're suddenly on the defensive trying to defend your your main ships. So it's a really dynamic uh, game mode. And one that I can see that if you have a set group, you could pull off some really great plays. Like, hey, I'm being chased. No big deal, man. Like swing around this asteroid. And, you know, and I'll, I'm on the other side waiting to take them out as you come around. You know, you can do a lot of that stuff. I can see where the team communication is going to add just like another layer to this. Um, yeah. And that's what I'll say too. Kind of like the final thing, the maps and everything that they do have are a good mix of open space to really tight confined quarters with moving obstacles like asteroid fields, destroyed wreckage that you're having to fly around. So there's a lot of things in this, a lot of incredible dynamic gameplay and I am having a blast. So I think Excellent. If, if you like a good flight sim, if you love Star Wars, if you love Star Wars and not really a flight sim person, still get Star Wars Squadrons because it provides an incredible gameplay experience so far. And two, right out the gate, brand spanking new, it's $40. So it's even not even a full-priced uh, $60 game. And it does have cross-play, yes? Yes, it is cross-play. So you can play across uh, PC, Xbox, and PlayStation. Everybody can all play together. So Yeah, it's a, hell it's, yeah. It's a good old time. And two, like... 
why I ultimately decided to still get on PS4. I was wondering if I was going to do it on PC or PS4, but I decided to do PS4 still so I could get the trophies because I figured out that there are joysticks that are compatible for PS4. So I was like, if I do oh, okay. eventually want to upgrade to that, I still have the option. So nice. it's a, it's Very a cool. good, it's, it's just been so fun. I'm going to, I'm going to spend it. I've, I've, I've been like wanting to, I've been having to, or wanting to almost put on like social media every time I'm like, I'm back in it. I'm back in it. <laughs> like who's I'm playing, I'm back on it again. I played so many hours just over the weekend, just busting through it because I just couldn't stop. It's, it's very, awesome. addictive. I did get stuck at one point in one of the sto- later story missions. And I was just like spinning my wheels, wasn't able to get. And I finally had to be like, all right, and take a break and come back to it. And then obviously things were fine after that. But no, it happens to everybody. Oh, it's good. Mogan, it's a good game. It's a good game. So, but right on. I hear that you also have a very good game. I sure do. You want to talk to Uh, us about a bit more. So we talked, of course, our first, my first impressions of this game was actually really recent. It was like the episode before our stream right yeah so like two weeks ago yeah, yeah it's only been a couple of weeks our previous um, episode so yeah but yes i want to revisit and do a final review of paradise killer Ooh, because i'm excited two reasons a i really do feel like when i did my first impressions i was my brain was firing in ten thousand different directions and even just within the game i was kind of having trouble wrapping my brain around it and yeah. really understanding it so my first impressions frankly sucks like it's it 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 gets the gist across it gets the feeling like across but it doesn't really give a very good idea of how the game actually plays and i want to revisit that first and foremost and give a pretty spoiler free uh basically first impressions redo of what the game is like and who it's for and who should get it and who will enjoy it and then we're going to do a hard segue into some extremely spoiler-filled end game territory because I have finished the game. Uh, So the first part is, of course, going to be as spoiler-free as I can make it or things that are so minor that I don't consider them spoilers. And then once we start doing the hard segue, I will let everybody know. Uh, All right, so if you're not at all familiar with Paradise Killer, uh, first of all, it is from Kaizen. I've looked this up. I know I looked (laughs) this up. (laughs) It is from Kaizen Gameworks. So Kaizen Gameworks is the developer. I believe they are based in the UK and the publisher is fellow traveler so that's just who made the game kaizen game works god i hope that they make more of this because you know right off the bat i loved uh really just genuinely enjoyed paradise killer as a whole so that's the first thing i want everybody to know uh so when i first you know started the game i did definitely have some doubts kind of at the outset and i mentioned this in my first impressions that for about the first hour or two of gameplay i was kind of on that fence of thinking i kind of want my 20 dollars back i don't really i don't really know how i think this is going i'm confused i don't know what to think of this game kind of want a refund yeah but i am so glad that i stuck with it because it turned out to be an incredible game that a lot of people probably wouldn't like, but I found it extremely engaging. Uh, so for starters, it is available for Switch, Mac, and PC right now. So those mm. are the only three platforms you can get it on. On Switch, it's only 20 bucks. It's not oh, an expensive damn. game. Okay. So it's, it's a really good uh, game for the price. And I think that I probably put... 
I haven't actually checked my final hour count, but I would say I probably logged anywhere from 25 to 30 hours of very active gameplay. That's, so that's for 20 solid. bucks, you're getting a pretty solid experience out of it. And I feel like it does have, depending on how you did it the first time, some replay value. And we'll talk about that a little bit more towards the end of the game, because there are basically some... There's a lot of choice in Paradise Killer. So the setup is you are... It, it is at its core a murder mystery investigation game. Uh, and you take on the role of your title character, uh, Lady Love Dies. So that's her name. Everybody in Paradise Killer has ridiculous, like, inscrutable names. And it's part of the appeal. It's just part of the quirky appeal of the game. Uh, and Lady Love Dies is an expert investigator that is returning to her home of Paradise. Paradise mm. is a literal island. She's returning to her home after years of being exiled. So the premise is she's being called back to paradise by the judge, basically the end-all be-all of the law in paradise, because the crime to end all crimes has been committed. Mm. The entire council, ooh, the council, the council have all been brutally murdered. And oh, not only everybody. have they been murdered, they were murdered on the night that paradise number 24, island number 24, was supposed to end and paradise number 25 the next iteration of paradise was supposed to begin so basically this murder took place in a contained area with a contained rogues gallery of potential uh what's the word for it potential criminals suspects suspects Suspects, yes potential suspects i don't know why i couldn't think of the word suspect uh so essentially what what happens is the backdrop of Paradise Killer is that Paradise, the island itself, is a recurring place that is more or less a pocket reality. So basically, this the, these people called the Syndicate, they made islands to appease their gods. And the island is supposed to be a perfect iteration where they can house all of their gods and worship them forever, mm -hmm. you know, infinitum. So... Paradise keeps getting reset every time something goes terribly wrong. So they started with one paradise, some shit went wrong. They did a second paradise, some other stuff went wrong, and they've just kept going and going and going. And now they're on number 24, which is ending for perfect 25. Everybody thinks that the 25th version of paradise is going to be the perfect option. They're never going to have to make another one. It's the end-all be-all of the paradises. They finally got it right this time. But on the eve of Paradise 25 coming into reality and everybody transitioning over to Paradise 25, this terrible murder happens right at midnight, exactly oh no. at midnight, and which causes the island number 24 to not be able to end. So basically, the judge, you know, the minute she finds out well, it, the minute it finds out that the entire that the entire council has been murdered, the judge closes off the island completely. So no one can leave to get to number 25. So everyone that remains on the island are your suspects. There's really not that many people left in paradise by this point. There's only about, I would say, max 10 to 12 total characters still physically on paradise at the time. So including yourself, the investigator, that's not a lot of potential leads to follow up on. Yeah. And yet there are so many mysteries to be solved. So the appeal of the game is largely based in its aesthetics and its world building. So uh, th it does take some getting used to. And I feel like I did a really bad job of describing it last time. But 
the visual style of the game is an incredibly bizarre mishmash of really interestingly drawn kind of anime-esque 2D characters. So all of the characters are literally 2D. When you find them out and out and about in the world, they're like cardboard cutouts. Mm -hmm. They are flat, planar 2D people that just kind of rotate around to see you. And it's actually really comical. I find it hysterical. And then when you talk to any of them, it of course puts up both characters in what is, you know, just a really recognizable dialogue of back and forth. So that's how you interact with the characters. But the world at large is a 3D open world experience, of course, contained within paradise. Mm -hmm. So you have the run of the island. So the island is actually much bigger than you might initially think. And this 3D world is incredibly strangely designed. The, the art design of the 3D portions of the world is so contrasted against the 2D that it creates kind of like a cognitive disconnect. Hmm. But it's really fascinating to see because it honestly looks like if you designed a game in 1992 for PC and Mac home computers, it would probably look like that. Like all of the structures are extremely blocky. They're very polygonal. Uh, everything is very bold. You know, there's not a lot of intricacies per se. Everything is just very uh, brutalist. Like if you've ever seen brutalist architecture, that's kind of the design of the structures of paradise. Okay. There's not a lot of texturing done on the buildings. Everything is just very, very old school, really. Uh, that being said, it is interspersed with really, well, not really, but more intricately designed flair, I guess you would say. Uh, for example, when you're walking through the section called the gardens, there are actually very lovely flowers kind of all over the place. They are, of course, very polygonal to kind of match the rest of the island. And in some cases, they're 2D, just depending on what it is. But it does create a really near vision. What's it called? Like, nearsighted yeah. like nearsighted the game is really intricate and really pretty farsighted it's just like these big chunky blocks kind of all over the place so it's a fascinating design that you just kind of have to get used to and that was part of the reason that in the beginning i was like i don't know about this i'm not so sure about the the aesthetic they're going for here. yeah but i've does... seen i've seen the screenshots of it and you're right it's interesting it's very it... uh, it's an interesting looking game for sure it, it, it grows on you. You do eventually come to love it. But I think part of the... This is both a pro and a con because I understand why it's this way. But because of the way that the game is designed visually and because of how you know, dis deceivingly large Paradise actually is. And mm -hmm. because of how open world it is, you know, your character, you can run, jump, and walk on anything that you really have vertical access to. So if you're looking up a cliff and there's just enough of an incline for you to jump on this rock, then onto this ledge, then walk up this really steep hill, then jump over to here, you can actually get to a lot of places that you might not normally think that you could get to. Mm. So it's not quite as accessible as a Breath of the Wild, for example, but really anything that you can physically jump on is, is fair game. Oh, okay, and the cool. game actually has a lot of verticality. Like if you go up an elevator to a really high skyscraper and then jump off of it, there's no fall damage. Your character cannot die in Paradise, like 
unless somebody murders you, which isn't an option. So you can. It was an option can, for the Senate, for the committee yeah, or whatever. The council. Yeah, the council. it was an option they for the council. <laughs> Those poor suckers. So you can <laughs> jump off skyscrapers and actually get a lot of distance, like a lot of horizontal distance off of those jumps. So you can start out on a skyscraper over here, just get a running start and make a huge jump and end up in what may have been an otherwise inaccessible area because maybe there's a fenced in area down there that you couldn't open the door to because mm -hmm. it was locked but you went up this skyscraper and took a running jump and you landed inside of it and unlocked it from the inside so there's actually you really have to think outside of the box in terms of how you're going to approach certain sections of the game because it is open world to an extent that you have to basically get get upgrades to make more progress got it so starting out you know you go and talk to the judge so you as lady love dies you've just landed literally back in paradise and you go and speak to the judge because the judge is the one that's called you back and it's going to give you basically the rundown and tell you what you're supposed to do so you go and speak to the judge and the judge explains hey the whole council is dead we need you to investigate Everybody on the island is a suspect. Good luck out there, champ. Uh, and that, that's it. You're just kind of thrown in there. And from there, you have total control over who you talk to first, who you talk to at all, what kinds of questions you ask them, and how you manage your own investigation and your interrogations. So I actually went to... I didn't even talk to any other characters when I first started out. Uh, just by accident, I went up a. I heard I, that. <laughs> I, I like was reaching over to get my drink, and I hit the the shotgun off my Doom guy, and it fell. Oh, and noise. poor I'm Doom sorry. guy! I'm sorry. Please continue. It, it literally made a gunshot noise. Uh, so I just walked off into a random area and found what was essentially an abandoned workshop that was full of evidence. So anytime you go into an area that has potential evidence, you do have the option to just hit A and interact with something. So the interact is fairly limited you know it's not like you can see lady love dies hands reaching for anything mm -hmm. it's just get close enough to something interact appears on the screen and you hit interact and then she'll do the 2d version of interacting with that object uh, so you can just do your own investigation at will but really the main way that you make progress is through talking to all of the suspects it's through literally investigating so when you go and speak to any given character they will start out with a fairly limited amount of dialogue because their dialogue options depend on what you already know. Mm. So the first person that I think I talked to was Yuri. It was definitely Yuri Knight. What a dickbag for starters. I hated that guy. <laughs> he was such a jerk to me the whole time. So I find this guy Yuri Knight and I go talk to him and I find out that his role in Paradise is that he's the assistant to this woman called the Architect and she's the temporary leader of the syndicate because everybody else has been murdered. So Yuri Knight's options at that time are, hey, what do you know about the murders of the council? What's your alibi? You know, where were you at the time of the murders? Uh, what's your role here? Just basically getting to know the character. So initially, I probably only had two to three dialogue options for Yuri to start with. Mm -hmm. But that means that when I leave that discussion and I go talk to his boss, the architect, Carmelina Silence, I will then have her dialogue options of what do you know? What's your alibi? What's your role on this island? Along with... What do you know about your assistant? Can you corroborate your assistant's alibi from last night? If you can't, why can't you? What, you know, were you not able to get in contact with that person last night and mm -hmm. why? 
So the more people you talk to and the more information you gather, the more dialogue options you unlock. So it gets to a point where kind of in the in the mid game, when you're finding new characters, their lists of dialogue options are massive. I bet. I could could see that happening. Yeah. So this is both a pro and a con because on the one hand, I understand why it's this way. On the other hand, it's pretty annoying in some cases. So in terms of dialogue and who knows what, there are obviously things that most characters don't know. So let's say, for example, that I found out that something like a deep secret of the island has occurred and I go and talk to somebody else who definitely wouldn't know about that unless they were the criminal, their dialogue option still shows up with, hey, what do you know about this thing? And then their answer is just, well, I wouldn't know anything about that, would I? And that's the end of that conversation. Hmm. So you often wind up with a slew of dialogue options for characters that are, I don't know anything about that. Isn't it your job to know that? How would I know that? Sorry, can't help you. Don't know that. And it can just be like six or seven dialogue options in a row of just, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And it can get really annoying when that happens, but I understand why they still have to give you the option because it would be a dead giveaway if you went and talked to somebody and they didn't even have that dialogue option for XYZ mystery, but then you go and talk to somebody else and they do have the option. Mm -hmm. So I do understand that you have to give every character equal dialogue options to not by just sheer implication, by omission, reveal more of the story than should be revealed through those dialogues. So it can be a bit of a slog fest uh, in the mid game, but I get it. It's not exactly a detractor. Uh, I feel the like other- the, I feel like the creators of this game when de- designing the story probably had like that straight up the meme of like Charlie oh, yeah. Kelly from always sunny. Being Absolutely. Like, Dude, <laughs> they had to have the most complex conspiracy Notes going everywhere, all time. connected yes. by string. Yeah, definitely. So uh, I would say that in general, so this is going to be the in general pros and cons, and then we're going to move into the story stuff. Uh, the pros are awesome soundtrack. Mm-hmm. So the composer, I think I managed last mentioned last time is Barry epoch topping Uh, and it's funny because in the context of the game you can find more soundtracks like in just comms towers and you can pull out the tapes and add them to your own running playlist basically Uh, and on the soundtracks you know whenever you acquire one it basically gives you like a little vinyl cover and tells you like oh this is the track you found and on those vinyl covers uh, it'll list the composer epoch so the composer like built himself into the game which I think think that's pretty fun I I like that Uh, The soundtrack is really, it can be described as a blend of vaporwave and like 80s city pop. And it is excellent. It's got like, it's a little bit psychedelic. It's got a lot of funk mixed in and it's just so gripping. Uh, The title track itself, Paradise parentheses, Stay Forever, both the vocal version, which I normally hate. I normally hate the vocalized versions, Uh, both the vocals version and the non-vocals version equally excellent i've been singing that song in my head for days nice. because it's so good and i'm just like oh, freaking love the soundtrack so, <laughs> so it's a really good soundtrack 10 out of 10 for the soundtrack alone vibrant interesting environments and visuals once you get used to them really good character design um the designs of the characters you really have to look it up to understand but they are 
just outlandish and bizarre. You know, characters will wear full masks over their heads, or at least one character in particular, that is like a golden skull. And the only thing you can see are his eyes. And then the rest of his outfit is like a flamboyant, it almost look like, looks like a pseudo matador's outfit, but it's hot nice. pink and gold. And he's got these crazy tattoos all over his chest. And it's just like, to, well, I just want to hang out with you. I just want to know more about you, buddy. And other people have like big gold armor on and like fierce weaponry and they're clearly warriors and like big billowing, I don't know, like blue wraparounds. It's crazy. The character design is wild, mm -hmm. but it's a big part of the appeal. Uh, the character design is top notch. Uh, in addition to the character design, characters do have some voice acting. I think I mentioned this before. Uh, the voice acting is just selected sound bites. You know, characters kind of have a revolving door of voice lines that they will say kind of just interspersed throughout your conversation with them. And then a few select lines that are really important will be actually voice acted. But for the most part, it's just these little interspersed voice lines here and there to give the conversations a little bit of flavor. Those voice lines don't always fit exactly like the, the tone of mm -hmm. the conversation. But, you know, the limited budget, limited time. I'm not going to complain about that too much. Yeah. I think it does add a lot to the story. Uh, the story itself, though, is the number one draw of the game. It is an incredibly complex, interwoven mystery that connects all of the characters so well. Just, you know, chef's kiss. Chef's kiss for trying to design what is ultimately just a massive conspiracy that you have control over. You as the investigator, if you don't want to pursue a line of questioning, you don't have to. Mm. If you don't want to accuse someone of something, you don't. If you do want to accuse someone of something and you know they didn't do it, you still can. You have total control over where you go, when you go there, who you talk to, what you talk to them about, and then what conclusions do you draw from that? The dialogue of the game does naturally give you the information that you should have, because in some ways there kind of is a right answer, but whether or not you agree and you pursue the right answer, totally up to you. Interesting. Which I loved that it was so open and that the game didn't really try to hold your hand that much aside from, well, these are the built-in dialogue options. Of course, you have to have this information. You're the investigator. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed just the story in general. I think that anyone who likes murder mysteries and investigation style games, you know, even if you're accustomed to the old point and click, like yeah. the old point and click investigation games, I think you will still get so much out of this game. And the big tip that I can advise to anybody going into this, please explore. The exploration of the island is the number one way that you are going to find more evidence. And there were things that I missed. Like when I finished the game, I knew in my gut that I still had a few loose threads. But I was at a point where I was like, you know what? Even with the loose ends, I think I've got it. I think I've got the solution. So I, I went into the trials, even without having all of the information. And I got an A conclusion. Was it the right conclusion? That's what I was going to ask. Like, is, does this thing. game, so, does it draw you towards a specific ending? Or could you make an ending, that an could you have an incorrect ending? 
we are, we will definitely talk about that now that we're going to be segueing a little bit more into the spoilers. Before okay. we get there real quick, I am just going to briefly list my handful of very small cons. Okay. So the first character that you actually meet is named Shinji. He's actually a demon. So the deep lore of the game is that, you know, you're in a pocket reality designed by these people called the Syndicate. They're basically the upper echelon of society that have broken away from the real world, our world, uh, to build their pocket reality to continue worshipping their arguably terrible gods. I don't know why they would choose to worship these gods, but that's what they've done. It's the so gods they, you're stuck with, the gods you gotta worship, I guess. I guess so. So they built this reality to worship their own gods, and a big part of this strife and the reason they keep having to remake islands is the islands keep getting corrupted by demonic influence so in this game gods are real they're basically space aliens more or less uh and demons are real and they are also space aliens but the bad ones i guess it's very objective like <laughs> are the demons actually the bad guys Probably not, yeah. honestly. Uh, so there are gods, there are demons. Demons keep getting onto the island. You can, in fact, eradicate them. You know, the people in this game can find demons and straight up kill them. And that's, you know, demonic eradication. Uh, but demonic presence on the islands is supposedly totally omitted. You know, su suspectedly, they already destroyed all of the demons that were inhabiting Perfect 24. But the excuse me, not Perfect 24, Imperfect 24, but they still got rid of all of the demons. Mm -hmm. However, you meet a demon right off the bat. You meet Shinji, and I described him last time. He's a fox-faced, square-headed, four-armed, naked, blue, fox-man demon. And he's flipping you off the whole time. Did I mention that he's flipping oh, you no. off the, he's whole just the whole time? Just, the double the flip off. Because <laughs> he's like two top arms are constantly flipping you off. And I'm like, Shinji, I like your style. You're okay, man. <laughs> so Shinji is both kind of a pro and a con in my mind. Um, I think that he is in the game. I don't really understand his presence in the game. So he... He, he is a demon. He's not supposed to be in paradise, but he is. Some people know about him. Most people don't. So I think that part of his role is just that he's supposed to demonstrate that, hey, the island is definitely still corrupt. If one demon is here, surely there can be more, right? So I think that that's part of his role. But how he works in the game is you can just find him literally all over the place. He's in every location you can think of. I've had times where I can see him in one location, just look, just tilt my camera to another part of the island, and there he is again. He's over there. Oh, wow. So he's all over the place, and when you find him, you just have conversations with him, just like normal conversations. He'll be like, hey, love dies. What's up? I'm just hanging out. Because he's like a lower-level demon. He's not a big deal. He's just kind of chilling on paradise, and you're like, hey, Shinji, how's it going? What's up, man? <laughs> so he just kind of, I don't really understand his function. I just don't. The conversations with him usually don't reveal anything about the game. He's not really there for your investi your investigation purposes. I like, I like him. He's okay. I just kind of feel like he may have been, I, I just don't understand why they added him. Yeah. So he's not necessarily a con, but he's also not really a pro in my book. So Just kind of there. He's a like neutral why. zone for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, my other very small complaint is that sometimes if you're not careful with your exploration, you can physically get stuck. Oh. I accidentally got myself stuck, like wedged at the bottom of some rocks 
that I could not get out of. And I just had to restart. Like I was literally stuck. So do be careful about where you're exploring. Make sure you have a way out because if you don't, you might just have to go back to the last save point. Uh, it's not a big deal, just it, and it didn't happen often. Just be careful. Uh, the other thing, and this is non-spoilery, but at towards the end of the game, once you do enter the trials, some parts of the trials can be a little redundant. But again, it's not without cause. We'll talk about that a little bit more soon. And then, of course, my other mild complaint, some dialogue options are totally useless. They're time-consuming. Uh, and they, goodness gracious, who's blowing up my phone? And they may or may not have a reason for being there, but, you know, not a big deal. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. The map is not superb. Um, it's very just top-down, one-dimensional. What you see is what you get. It's really hard to navigate based on the map alone. You actually really can't. The map is only so helpful. But that does get you to explore more. So again, it's all just pros and cons to balance. Uh, and overall, I would say that none of the cons are bad enough to make you not want to play the game. Mm-hmm. If anything, they're just, at worst very minor inconveniences well they almost feel like just like things outside of the main scope like you know the main scope of this game is to provide you with a with a murder mystery that you have to solve exactly and so these like the auxiliary things that just weren't fleshed out as much because they weren't as they're just not as important yeah not as important important, so it's like ah we don't really care about that so it's like i get it whatever uh so that's everything that i can say without getting into spoiler territory now we're hard segueing hard segue into the spoilers uh so essentially mute everybody yeah mute everybody (laughs) so basically i do just want to talk about how the end game goes down and how the trials go because i think this is where things get really interesting so right about the halfway point of my investigation you know you've got your characters that are all suspects you've got carmelina silence she's the temporary leader you've got witness to the end he oversees the end of each island he's a religious fanatic for the syndicate's gods he believes that the syndicate has strayed from the path of the righteous and that everyone is corrupt and that they need a hard reset to get the syndicate back on track uh you've got dr doom jazz who appears to just be a fun loving doctor that may or may not have some potential motives question mark mm-hmm. uh you've got sam and lydia daybreak who they're your friends they're lady love dies friends uh but do they have motives of their own? In their previous life, back in the real world, they were assassins. They've supposedly left the assassin life behind, but have they, question mark? A lot of people were just murdered. Seems like a top job for an assassin. Yeah, a lot of people were murdered. So it, it even gets to these things of like, you're having to investigate your own friends, and it's kind of tough because even if they are guilty, do you, as Lady Love dies, want to pursue and try to potentially convict your own friends Mm -hmm. so it gets to not even just well is this legally right is it morally right Uh, and i just love that kind of stuff there's also akiko 14 she is the head marshal she's basically the top you know law enforcement agent on this island and then there's the accused so they do have a uh, a character 
who they pinned this entire council murder on. His name is Henry. He has the most normal <laughs> name. name. Henry. <laughs> or Henry. <laughs> uh, I, I think his name, his last name is Division. His name is Henry Division. He has the most normal name out of okay. anybody okay. on this island. And it's like, wait, you're accusing him just because he has a normal name? You bastards. <laughs> but he has a normal name because he is a civilian. So the setup of the syndicate is you have this elite upper echelon of these people who worship their really demonic intergalactic gods. The syndicate needs sacrifices to keep their gods happy. So they are literally kidnapping ordinary people from our world, from Earth, reconditioning them onto their island and basically treating them like religious cattle. Mm. They are there to be forced to pray to the syndicate's gods. And then once they are ready to move on to the next island, they are slaughtered en masse by the syndicate in their giant religious temple to appease their gods. So they are kidnapping thousands of civilians, brainwashing them onto their island into worshiping their god that they are just being forced to worship. And then once they have used up all of their usefulness, they are slaughtered just without a second thought. So the syndicates... They don't stance, seem good. They don't seem good. And that's I think that's part of the fun, is that you're investigating these people. You, as Lady Love Dies, used to be part of them. These people are your friends in a lot of cases, mm -hmm. but good God, are you on the wrong side? Like, they're not good. Syndicate yeah. sucks. They are doing bad shit out there. So I just think it adds to these extra layers of intrigue. You know, it's just intrigue on, on intrigue. So Henry, as a civilian then, he got possessed by a demon 10 years ago in the events of the game. Uh, he did a couple of murders at the time of his um, possession, and they locked him up. Why didn't they kill him? Why wasn't seems like a scapegoat? Why wasn't Henry immediately executed like most other people who get possessed by demons? Because even in lockup, he's still possessed by that demon. The demon is still inside of him, basically keeping his shell of a form together. Mm -hmm. There's not much of Henry really left. He has very spotty memory. He only knows so much. He's already in prison. He basically escaped, committed these murders. Uh, his demon made him commit these murders, and then they caught him again, and they're going to execute him for these crimes. And it's like, okay, here's the thing, Seems though, because I'm looking at the map and based on the timeline that you told me, you expect me to believe that Henry, a heavily sedated, uh, demonically possessed person, managed to get past the elite head of the guards, Akiko 14, walk all the way from his isolated prison island he walked all the way over to the syndicate building, to the council building, somehow got through all four locked holy seals that nobody even knows what they are. They're mm -hmm. a mystery to everyone except the council. He breached all four seals, murdered all of the council, and then got back outside and passed out in Check's watch in three minutes. You Seems expect unlikely. me to buy this horse apples? So right off the bat, there are some huge holes in the story that is being told to you. But everybody on the island is like, well, the, the criminal's already in custody. Why are you even investigating? Why are you asking us? He's already in custody. We're just going to execute him. And you're like, 
bitch, hold up. <laughs> what you are telling me makes no sense, and I'm going to do my investigation regardless. Mm-hmm. So from there, it's just unraveling the lies. The lies on lies on lies. And it is so rewarding. Every time you manage to find a new piece of evidence that catches somebody in a lie. Uh, For example, Lydia. So your best friend, Lydia, she's the fairy woman. She literally uses her car. She's the only person on Paradise with a car to drive people from their homes on Paradise 24 to the gate so that they can move on to Paradise 25. So her tire tracks then, anytime you find tire tracks, there's only one culprit. Lydia, she's the only one of the car. Mm. Why are her tire tracks on top of the council building? Why are her is tire it, is tracks... Is her vehicle Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? Yeah, actually, it kind of is. She can go anywhere. It's like an <laughs> interdimensional space car. She can go wherever she wants. Oh, all right. Uh, why are her tire tracks on the cliff overlooking a set of obelisks on the beach that give you the key to breaching the second holy seal? Mm. Why do you find a PDA washed down a drain that clearly belonged to Lydia that contains a message from Witness to the End to Lydia telling her how to access the obelisks? Ah. Where's all this shit coming from? Things seem to be getting a little bit clearer. Things are getting a little bit clearer all the time. So there's this place called the Dead Zone where Henry committed his original crime 10 years ago where Mm -hmm. he unleashed these demons into the world and that entire area is now blocked off because it's demonically corrupted. So they had to physically block off an entire set of apartments, basically. If you breach the Dead Zone, if you manage to find a way in, why does Sam, the local barman, have a secret distillery in the Dead Zone? Why is there a hidden demonology bunker in the dead zone coded to only witness to the end and Carmelina silences blood? Hmm. Explain that. Uh, witness and Carmelina. Game. I have. I cannot. But it seems to be even it, adding even more layers to this mystery, just, which need to be unraveled. It adds so much. So to answer your question from earlier, then, does the game want you to come to a certain conclusion? That is a very interesting question because my personal opinion is that there are two potentially right answers. Mm -hmm. And honestly, they are probably both correct, which I think is part of the fun. So you have two key conspirators here. There's Carmelina Silence, who is the current temporary leader. She has her own conspiracy going on with Yuri Knight, uh, Henry, and Akiko. So she's got her own little web of lies. And then you also have Witness to the End, who is his own conspirator. He has different reasons for wanting the entire council dead. And he has roped into his web Lydia and Sam Daybreak. So what you actually have is two warring factions of two separate conspiracies that both wanted the council dead. Mm. And they both went about murdering the council on the same day at the same time but just in different ways. Oh, interesting. what actually happens is you get to the trials then. So once you've accumulated really all of the evidence that you possibly can, um, and that's, again, that's up to each individual person. You go into the trials with as much evidence as you have. Might be a lot, might be a little. Mm -hmm. You go into the trials, uh, the judge assembles all of the characters that you can possibly accuse, and one by one, the trials guides you through your list of crimes, your list of suspects, And who do you accuse? So one of the very first crimes that you can choose to solve is uh, Henry's demonic possession. So 
it is implied throughout the game that someone helped Henry get those demons into paradise 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Who helped him and why? And the answer is Yuri Knight fucking gave him those demonology books. I know he did. That bastard is the only one that accessed the library. So you can basically say, hey, I don't think that Henry alone got these demons into paradise. I don't think it was really him. I think he was helped. I think Yuri helped him. This is my evidence. I'm formally accusing him. And then the judge, and and Yuri can defend his case if he thinks that you don't have enough evidence. So he can basically talk back and argue against you. Mm -hmm. But then the judge looks at Yuri's testimony, looks at your testimony and your evidence, and then the judge makes a decision. And in most cases, I feel like it's pretty easy to get a guilty verdict as long as you've done kind of the bare minimum right. of evidence that you can acquire. So you get Yuri convicted. But then Yuri doesn't immediately die because actually everybody that you accuse as part of this conspiracy, you know at the outset, you kill them. You will kill them. The penalty is death. Damn. Even if even if you didn't pull the trigger on the council members, if you were involved in the conspiracy, you're going to die. So everybody that gets accused and convicted and convicted, they are dead men. So you convict Yuri. He's still there because the trials aren't over, but then you move on to Carmelina Silence herself. Yuri is her secretary. Mm -hmm. So then you kind of work your way up the layers through solving these smaller mysteries to eventually getting to the big one, the crime to end all crimes, the murder of the council. So at that point, I think the game actually did something really interesting where you do basically have two options. You can say, I think it was witness because he used a demon to murder all of the council. Or you can say, no, it was Carmelina Silence and she used her secret son that nobody even knew about for 25 years. Clutch she my pearls. used him, right? She used him to commit the murders. But what it asks you is, I don't want to know who the conspirator is yet. I want you to tell me who physically killed the council was it the demon or was it carmelina silence's mystery son basically or you can actually say it was henry you can just default back on henry it's like it's like i know he didn't do it so you have to actually tell the judge this is who physically committed the crimes and then based on that you then delve further into the conspiracy and i like that it told you very expressly the judge says in words i want to know who held the knife and who slashed their throats. I Mm. don't want to know who the conspirator is. I just want you to answer this very simple question first. Who held the knife? Who killed the council? Interesting. And then it works your way up to the grand conspiracy. So I thought the way that the trials were laid out was very interesting. I liked that they started with the mini mysteries and then kind of uncovered and uncovered, and it led to this big dramatic reveal of it was the witness, witness to the end, or it was Carmelina Silence. And the thing is, along the way, you can accuse anybody of anything. And depending on your evidence, you can probably get them convicted. So this is something that I did that I actually kind of wished I hadn't done. As part of the witness to the ends conspiracy, he he obviously, he obviously roped in your friends, Lydia and Sam Daybreak. You know that they didn't commit the murders, but they had a hand in it. They Mm -hmm. absolutely helped him even though they didn't really know what they were helping him with. So if you accuse them of being part of the conspiracy, you're murdering your own friends, even though their motives were honestly understandable. They just Mm -hmm. wanted out. They wanted out of paradise. They want to go back to the normal world. So on the one hand, you feel bad for them. And you're like, should I just let them off the hook? 
Should I just not accuse them and just have these gaping plot holes in witnesses conspiracy? How am I going to approach this? Right. So the way that the trials can transpire is fascinating. So I would actually really like to go back in my own gameplay and try it again because there were also some loose ends. Mm. So I have read on forums from other players that there is a way apparently to get every single person convicted of something all in one go. So depending on what order you do the trials in and who you accuse and when, supposedly you can get every last person convicted of something. I would really like to see how that goes down and what you have to do to get there. Uh, but that's obviously not what I did. So at the end of my testimony, I had three people that were not accused of anything. They had no convictions. They basically got off scot-free. Those people were Henry Division, who he didn't do it, bitch. He didn't do it. <laughs> he deserves to be free. Uh, so Henry didn't do it. So he got off scot-free. Dr. Doom Jazz, mm -hmm. there was nothing that I could really pin on him that was big. Yeah. But I know he definitely did some shit. He's the, he's the island's only doctor. He knew. He wrote the birth records. He read redacted the birth records of Carmelina, Carmelina Silence's unknown son. Mm. He knew. So yeah, he knew that she had there. he knew that she had a mysterious son and he helped get rid of that evidence. So even though it's not necessarily in his mind connected to the current event of crimes, it is. And it's like, man, he got away with nothing. Do I really want him to have been able to get off totally free? Mm -hmm. And then there's another character called Crimson Acid who she knows everything on the island. She's like basically the vault of secret keeper. She definitely helped in this conspiracy, like in a hard way. But was it enough for her to warrant death? So it's it's so interesting how the game gives you these moral dilemmas of, yeah, these people are definitely guilty. But are you actually going to pursue them? I just think that it's such a well-done mystery. I think that I had a ton of fun getting more into the evidence, slowly unlocking the webs of the conspiracy, tying it all together. Uh, it was absolutely a blast. Uh, I would recommend the game to anyone that loves a murder mystery. It's not exactly spooky, yeah. but the mystery in and of itself, I think, is really fun for the month of October. So, yeah, play this game. Play Paradise Killer. I think it may have set itself up for a potential sequel. Ooh. Well, I, I hope. mean, there's they're making new islands every so exactly. often. So, I mean, they're still paradises. making more so there's, islands. There's plenty of time for a new killer to come to Paradise. You know what I mean? That's exactly right. So, I really do hope that they make a sequel in some way, shape, or form, even if it's just different characters, but kind of the same setting. I would be totally fine with that. Also, all of the characters in mine are dead now, so they're going <laughs> to need a bunch of new characters. You cleaned house. You cleaned shop. Yeah. Nobody you clean up shop. You literally shoot them right there in the courthouse. You literally shoot them right there in the courthouse. Okay. And then the, and then the judge is like, <laughs> justice has been done. And you're like, has it been though? <laughs> but this feels weird. This feels wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's an excellent game. The deep lore of the game is fascinating. I love the world building that Kaizen Game Works did. The character design is impeccable. And the story is just gripping absolutely play paradise killer it's only 20 bucks what not a too quality shabby. experience quality experience for not a lot of money go play paradise killer awesome well man that is 
super cool. Sounds super detailed and in depth with all the different ways that you can go about and all the mysteries that you can find to unravel and should then try to tie them together. I do like that. What you're talking about, like how it does have all of these different, like seemingly different outcomes, but you can, the more you delve into the more other people can, I like that option of it, of like the, you talk to this person, you learn more here that unlocks more for you with this person. That's, it sounds mystery games like that aren't necessarily my cup of tea, but I understand how you can get, gripped in this so easily in trying to find out and unravel all these different mysteries because it sounds like it really gives you not only the option but like the like moral ambiguity of it all to really feel like you it's something to explore that's pretty absolutely that's really cool it's an excellent game i think you personally would hate it but yeah it's not like it's up my (laughs) up up my uh up my area really but uh but still for for the people that are into this kind of game it is a top quality in its category so 10 out of 10, for me at least. Well, 9 out of 10. Let's not be giving those 10s out willy-nilly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Well, thanks for sticking around with us, everybody. And if you have thoughts on either Star Wars Squadrons, and if you're looking for somebody to play Star Wars Squadrons, let me know. But if you have any thoughts on Star Wars Squadrons, Paradise Killer, both great games in their own way, but totally different games, really. But, so, but that's just the, the breadth of... Of, di- of difference diversity that we give here at team chat <laughs> talk yeah. about these games but no both of these were really big games for both of us hit in those specific areas that we were really looking forward to so hopefully they can do the same for you but let us know send us an email at teamchatpodcast@gmail.com. comment below on any of our social media join our discord to talk about with talk about it with us there We'd love to hear from you. But until next time, everybody, that pretty much wraps up this episode. I am one of your hosts, Jared Wilson, joined across the pattern of the internet by Rachel Mogan. Adios. We'll see you all next time. I love it that you start with Italian and with Spanish. It's great. Yeah. It's wonderful. I like love to it. cover the gamut of the world. <laughs> love to see it. But until next time, everybody, we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.